Welcome to the SAC Shining Lights SLP Schools podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Archibald from Western University. As you know, many speech language pathologists in Canada are employed in schools. Their job is to support children with communication disabilities in accessing the curriculum and achieving their academic and personal potential. It's a challenging job. So many schools, so many students, and not many SLPs. Across the country, SLPs are finding unique solutions to providing the best possible services to the students and school teams with whom they work. In this podcast, our guests describe their innovations in school-based speech-language pathology. Thanks for listening as we shine a light on some brilliant projects. Welcome to the SAC Shining Lights SLP School podcast for today. And I'm so happy to have Sylvia Cutmore uh, as our visitor today. Sylvia, will you introduce yourself, please? Sure. And thank you for having me. Um, I'm a school board speech pathologist at the Peel District School Board. And I've been there about 16 years. Um, I have an allocation for a kindergarten language class. And then I have a Point two allocation for literacy. I'm one of two literacy specialists in the board. Wow. And how long have you held that, uh, that post, the literacy piece there, Sylvia? Um, for five years. Nice. Yeah. All right. Can, and so can you briefly describe the, the service delivery resources and the service delivery model you have there at your board? Sure. So um, it's a, a very big board. I think we're the second largest in Canada. Um, so we do have what seems like a lot of SLPs, but it's not really that many. So um, there aren't enough that we can do direct therapy. It's a consultation model. Um, and um, so I have, it ranges how many schools you have. I have three because I have all the specialist roles. Um, and so I see about 75 students and so most of that's consultation, um, but then I also do the literacy groups and I have quite a few of those that I help with. Nice, okay. And the literacy groups we'll be talking a lot more about today. Yes, yeah. <laughs> all right, that's great. So let's, let's start from, from where this project started for you. What were some of the major challenges that you or your group faced uh, in delivering speech language services in your setting? So it's always a, a, an issue when there's um, so many students that are in need and there's only one of us. <laughs> so um, you have to think of ways that you can support the teachers. Um, and so with the, what we're talking about today is the, the literacy programs that we have at the Peel Board. And um, they're a direct result of uh, one school in consultation with the speech pathologist, Susan Bernstein who has since retired, but she um, worked with the principal and the um, special education teacher, the, the resource teacher in the school. And um, she came up with all kinds of games and activities to really support the teachers in um, helping students that were having difficulty with uh, learning to read and write. Nice. And so uh, you then, uh, picked up that project when uh, Susan retired, I think. Yeah, and yep. has, and uh, what does that prog that program look like now? So the program has modified and changed um, over the years. So when I took over five years ago, it um, 
was they were kits that we assembled for the teachers and the schools. And it was a lot of work to assemble the kits and a lot of expense, um, but it was uh, hours of work. And um, so as a result of COVID, we had to make some changes because obviously they couldn't use the uh, physical kits. So we came out with virtual versions of um, the, we actually have two programs. We have links and we have foundations. And so we came out with virtual programs using Google Slides and the teachers were so happy <laughs> to have something that was fun and engaging and interesting to do with their students that um, would help move them along with their literacy. Uh, so once we realized that the teachers knew how to use Google Slides and they all, all their tech skills improved over COVID, one of the, the benefits, um, we decided to make a hybrid program. So it's partly using physical games that are printed off, but also some of the things are online so we don't have to print off and cut out so many things. So like word lists and pictures that they're going to use are just on the computer, so whatever device they want to use. Um, so it's a, it's a combination. And then that way it was quicker to print out and assemble the kits. So the schools now print out and assemble their own kits. Yeah, I see. All right, well, let's hear more about the programs themselves and what they involve. So links, you said, is one of them. So can you tell us about links? Sure, so links, it was the original program and it's designed for grades one, two, sometimes even grade three students in around there, but they're all students that are working at the early grade one level in terms of their literacy. So they're students that know their alphabet, um, they know their letter sounds for the most part, but they don't have good vowel knowledge and their phonological awareness skills are weak. They're, they're there, but they're weak. Um, so those are the kind of students that we're, we're looking for. And um, so we would see them in small groups, um, usually five to eight students, eight's probably on the big side, five to six students, and um, work through, there's 22 units, so which is 22 weeks then, um, and it goes through the different vowel patterns, phonological awareness, vocabulary building, reading strategies, and writing skills, um, and so it works on all of those, but a few years ago, uh, in 2019, there, there's, it was definitely a, um, some pushback from the schools because we were excluding some students, the, the students that don't know their alphabet and their letter sounds. And they're like, they can't read, why aren't you taking them? <laughs> but in order to do links, you, you needed to know your letter sounds. So we came up with another program for foundations that uses some of the same principles that's very visual, very repetitive, but it works on their letter sound knowledge and very basic phonological awareness skills. Um, and it's 10 lessons, 10 units, and um, it can be stretched out because often there's a reason that the students don't know their letter sounds, that maybe they have memory problems, that kind of thing. So it might need that they mean that they need to take a little bit longer with each unit and that's okay. Um, but then once they've finished foundations, then they're ready to move on to links. Okay. Really interesting. Okay, so let's, so links is a link to literacy. Is that what you, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that's what your aim is there, right? To move those kids towards literacy. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's 22 weeks 
long. So can you tell me how it's executed? You know, who, who does it in your schools? Sure. So um, it's usually the, um, the ESL teacher or the resource teacher, the every school board calls it a different thing right. <laughs> in school resource teacher. Um, so that, that's who usually executes it. Um, what we do is we have the teacher and the in-school support people identify the students and they, there's a screening that they do with them. And then once they've established the group, then um, what I'll do, if the teacher has never done the program before, then I demonstrate the first lesson and then they carry out that same lesson for the rest of the week. Then second week, I demonstrate lesson two, the unit two, and then they carry out unit two, um, et cetera. So we're working alongside the teachers and that way we can help them if there's any problems, we can make sure it's being done right. Um, so we find it a really effective way to um, carry out the program. Mm -hmm. And do you mean uh, you, Sylvia Cutmore, does all those schools in the whole board or are other speech <laughs> pathologists involved there? Yes, yes. Every school, um, every speech pathologist does their own schools. Mm -hmm. And it, um, we do have training videos to help the SLPs know how to do the, the program. Um, or I'm available. Lots of questions. Definitely people write all the time and ask me or phone me and um, have questions as to how to, ad to administer things or, you know, if they're just not sure how to, to do different activities. Uh, that's within your SLP group so that they're ready for that demonstration lesson if needed on that first uh, day of the week. And then uh, the teacher's watching that. And then and that might be the yeah. resource teacher. So yes. most often the research teacher. That's right. Or then, sometimes the ESL teacher. Mm, okay. Yeah. The, the, the English is a second language. That's teacher right. There. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it just depends on in like, in I know in other school boards, they call them different things. Yes. And, and even within schools, sometimes they divide up the English as a second language and the special needs, um, you know, it, it's all divided up sort of differently, but the, basically you're looking at the resource staff within the school. Right. And so that how long that's in your small groups, five or six kids. And how mm -hmm. long is that session? It's one period, which is 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. OK. Mm -hmm. And then uh, do you know if, uh, what's happening in the classroom, how or how that's connected to what you're doing in those sessions? That varies. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, some teachers are more interested in, you know, maybe putting up the, the vowel strips or um, and exposing kids to that. Um, because of COVID, sometimes I actually was having the teacher do the program. So then they were really aware of how the program went. Um, so it, it does really vary. And, and we have in the past had classroom activities, it just got a bit unwieldy in producing those kits. So mm -hmm. we're actually looking at ways that the teacher can do some of the activities with small groups in the in their class so and that's actually something that we're going to work on this summer mm -hmm. so if the teacher in the school has done the program before then how does that change the interaction with the speech pathologist well then they're fine to do it themselves so mm -hmm. they just carry on and i mean if they need some support they can get it but they technically should know what they're doing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And so they might just confer with the speech pathologist if they need to, 
Yeah. Um, so would there be schools where um, there's multiple groups like this going on? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. And especially during COVID when we couldn't mix the cohorts, the groups were much smaller and there were more of them. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, sometimes it was the classroom teacher because we also have um, contained classes for students with learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. So often I'm working in those classes as well in my mm -hmm. schools. Um, so yeah, it really varies who's mm -hmm. doing it and, and the size of the group and that kind of thing. So let's, uh, you know, is there a time when your speech pathologist has, you know, done those demonstrations for all the teachers and she, she's not involved in those uh, classes mm -hmm. anymore? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That happens. And, and it's, it's actually like our goal <laughs> that we're, we're paying it forward. We're training, training the teachers. And, you know, sometimes I'll get here SLPs saying, Oh, I just finished doing links with this teacher. And now she's moving on. And I'm like, that's amazing. Because now she knows so much more about literacy, and how to help students who are struggling learn to read and write. So, and now you get a new teacher that you get to help with that. I'm sure that's exactly the right attitude there. So <laughs> it's just what they want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So tell me about, um, you mentioned that there is a screening that's done for deciding which kids um, come into the Link to Literacy program. So can you tell me a bit more about that screening process? Sure. Um, it, we're, we're sort of simplifying it because it just is... Um, the original one was a lot, but basically the key factor is their not letter sound knowledge, um, the, because that's the, the dividing. <laughs> if they don't have their letter sounds, they can't start links. They need to know their letter sounds. Um, we also, all the teachers are in grade one are to do um, the PM benchmarks. And so we're looking for students that are in PM one to three, that level. Mm -hmm. um so that that's something that's being done anyway letter sound should be done anyway I mean how could they not <laughs> and um we have a we have a program in the board called sound skills and it's phonological awareness and so in that program there's a phonological awareness screener that and that program's been around for 15 years I think maybe even more no probably more like 20 now um, so it's very well known in the board and there are screeners, both a kindergarten and a grade one screener. So we've been using that actually a simplified version of that, the grade one uh, sound skill screener. But um, because of the right to read inquiry, there's a lot of interest in the board in uh, getting evidence-based screeners. And although I found that screener to be very accurate when it said the students passed, I did feel like they were solid. It wasn't evidence-based. Mm. So there is gonna be a change and I don't know what they're gonna be using, but they're looking at um, finding something that's evidence-based. Mm. Okay. Um, so, and uh, the, the so from that, then the teachers do all those screenings, right? And from there choosing that. And, and how is the, the match, do you think, in terms of, um, how that selection process goes? Um, I feel like we get the right students. Um, it, you know, I think that, that um, sometimes it's behavior is a problem. And if that is really interfering, then they can't be in the group. But for mm -hmm. the most part, 
because it's a small group and it's games and fun activities for the most mm -hmm. part they're they're you're able to corral the behavior and, and <laughs> engage them in the activities yeah um so and then it's just the letter sound knowledge so if they have that then they are ready to move on mm -hmm. and yes the progress is different in links some of them will you know even partway through like halfway through they will have just caught up it was what they needed they needed right. to know how, what short vowels were how, what the difference between short and silent e vowels or you know that kind of thing they just needed a, that little leg up and then they're they're fine some of them they get to the end and they've improved but they're not where they should be so mm. yeah but and yeah i do feel like we get the right students right yeah. and has it always been a, a teacher screening process to come well, into we have helped um the problem is, is that if you are helping, you should have a referral. And that's mm -hmm. a lot of students to get referrals on. Mm -hmm. So mostly what I do is I have them do it because really the screening that they're doing, the letter sound knowledge and PM benchmarks, they should be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. And yes, the sound skill screener or whatever we're now going to be using is something in addition, but um, it doesn't take very long. And so I don't want to have referrals on all those kids <laughs> who may or, may or may not have in the group. And then once the group is formed, then I get referrals for them. So then all of those five or six kids all get referrals mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. yeah. And so then at that point, do you, what is your service? So you, do you do a, an assessment piece at that point? No, no, no. Mm -hmm. it just, my role is to demonstrate with the to the teachers so they mm -hmm. know how to do the program and and troubleshoot if there's you know the student is because every now and you get then you get a student who mm, i don't know can't segment words or can't blend them or you know something right. in particular they're doing so we troubleshoot on how to help that student right right how to scaffold that eh yeah yeah all right let's come to the foundation program now sylvia uh, who's who's doing that how is that happening so it is set up exactly the same way um, and it's very similar. Um, it actually happened. I, I got the idea because all the teachers were saying, well, how could you not take this student? But also in the, um, the class for students with learning disabilities, we have to give them a structured literacy program. So the grade ones have to be in links, even if they're not ready for links. So mm. that happened one year. We had two students. They did not know any letter sounds, but they had to be in length. So we just worked away, worked away. And by the end of the year, they knew their short vowels and they still didn't know their consonants. And I was like, well, that clearly works. So we use the same principle um, because what we do is we have um, vowel strips and they have pictures and we have a chant. So it's like A says ah for apple. And you, you go through that every day and you have the students say it you have the you say a sound and they have to identify which one it is or you point to one and they have to tell you the sound so that they're really getting familiar with it there's a lot of repetition there's the visual um, that really helps them so we did the same thing with consonants we looked at the consonants that are used the most and we wanted ones that weren't diff that were different so we didn't put n and m together in the same strip that kind of thing and and um, divided it up so that and they do the consonants for uh two weeks because they really need the repetition mm -hmm. 
Nice. So this chant is, uh, you know, around organized around about five or six letters or sounds or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then that's happening repetitively. Yeah. And then there's this, you know, as a, a retrieval practice uh, yes. over and over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we do activities and they have the charts in front of them so that they can use it. Um, mm -hmm. And they do. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it is what the key to getting it in their head. You can see them using the visual and um, doing the chant to remind them what the sound is. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. And so that, and uh, you, you said it's the same setup. So the SLP will be doing the demonstration task and then, um, uh, and then the resource teacher or whomever the support person is will be carrying out those same lessons. Yes, and exactly. And you said it's 10... 10 lessons, I think, yep. 10, 10 units, units. Yep. Um, and they're, they're spread out. So you said if there's two units, I guess, or two weeks on consonants, but if that's not enough. You could do it longer. Um, mm -hmm. Usually they're doing pretty well mm -hmm. after two weeks on five consonants and you've practiced them, you've played games with them, you've, you know, <laughs> you've gone over and over. So they're usually ready for the next one. Right. Just if you happen to have a group that really needs to go slower, you can. Mm -hmm. It's only 10 weeks, so there's enough time that you could stretch it out. Right. Interesting. Um, and then from there, then kids might move on to links from yes. there. Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they do. Yeah. And they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's pretty cool. And so uh, in the foundations, you might have had children with all kinds of different needs, I would assume. Yes. There there's often memory issues mm -hmm. um yeah it's hard to say sometimes we if we're you're getting an older group like sometimes they're in grade one but sometimes they're maybe grade two or grade three mm. and the problem is by the time you're in grade three nobody's practicing consonants anymore right, right. um so yeah, and sometimes yeah it's, it's often memory i don't know there's different reasons mm -hmm. um but for the most part, because of the repetition and because of the visual, they are able to learn them mm -hmm. and apply it. So, which yeah. is good. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Um, all right. Um, and so, how has uh, how have people responded to that service, uh, that program, those programs? So, for the most part, it has been amazing. People love it. Um, the teachers just you know, I get so many emails from SLPs saying their teachers love it or, um, and, and teachers are saying it to me as well. I think the big thing is it's games and activities. So the, the kids are not resistant to coming. They, they come and they're playing games. Um, and so they like it and then they can see the improvement mm -hmm. and the teachers can see the improvement. So we get a lot of positive feedback. Um, I, I will say, you know, just to be balanced, that there are the um, teachers and maybe even more particularly the admin who are, how shall I say it delicately, old school <laughs> and um, really uh, believe in the whole word approach and you just expose them to reading and they'll learn to read. And, and there's certainly... Um, when Susan Bernstein was first starting it, there was a lot of pushback about 
um, ELL students, um, English language learners being in the program because they just needed to be exposed to English. And Susan was like, no, you can have a reading problem and be ELL. <laughs> um, so, and they, Susan did a study back in 2013, 2014, that was done through this in conjunction with the stats department in the Peel board. So there were eight control schools and eight program schools. And um, it was all controlled in terms of the number of ELL students and non-ELL. And um, the results did show that they both improved. They both, the ELL students started off lower and ended up lower, but the trajectory was the same for both of them. Yeah. So um, it is an evidence-based program, which is really nice too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we'll link to that article uh, in the show notes uh, for today. So, you know, that, that was really exciting evidence to show for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and uh, it, it, of course, fits in with uh, nicely with a, a structured literacy approach that will become um, part of the curriculum and the uh, right to read inquiry report um, in here in Ontario, uh, and I'll and we can also link to that report in the show notes as well. But do you want to talk about how your the fit you're finding or you're expecting uh, with the program? Mm -hmm, certainly. Um, so there's been a lot of talk, and I presume all school boards in Ontario, but certainly in the Peel Board um, on the um, results of the right to read inquiry, which came out in March, I think it was. Um, so they definitely are saying that a structured reading program that explicitly teaches phonological awareness and phonics and helps students in a systematic way learn to read and write is what is needed. Um, so uh, it's interesting that this past year I had a principal that I was um, helping her school with literacy and she wanted me to use links and foundations in the classroom. And I said, but it's not designed for that. It's a small group program and it's meant for tier two students, which are students that need some level of intervention. Um, and she said, but because of COVID, everybody's a tier two student. <laughs> so I was like, well, I, I can't disagree with you there. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's something that I've actually been thinking a lot about is um, are there ways that we could use these games and activities or modifications of them in the classroom? So um, I said, I'm willing to give that a try with your school, but it's not how the program is usually used. It, we would just be kind of, you're the guinea pigs and I'm giving it a try. So she was totally game, totally supportive. Um, so I met every month, it was, I started in, she, she met with me in December and I started in January. So from January to June, I met every month on teams with the um, kindergarten and grade one teachers. And then I sent them um, materials and games and activities to use. Um, and then as a result of that, they were very positive. Um, I did do a, a little survey and most of them were using it. Um, they were supposed to use it every day, but it <laughs> wasn't quite every day, but many times a week. And that's probably better than what some classes are getting. So mm -hmm. I was happy with that. And um, so as a result, we're going to work this actually later this week on making some games and activities that all kindergarten and grade one classes can use. 
um, that will help with the phonics and phonological awareness. And, um, and I think we're even gonna put some handwriting things. Uh, we have a, a book that is a really good resource and um, you know, it's, it's a little outside speech, but um, it's, there's some really practical ideas that this book has that's written by an OT. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's general. I mean, obviously yeah. these are just meant for students because you know, most students like 30 to 40% get reading on their own. The rest of them need some help. So mm -hmm. this is just for the general students that need the support and the structure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we want a solid tier one program, don't we? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's, um, we want to make sure that that tier one program is the best it can be so that, you know, the, we're, we're, we're getting only the kids who really need support in our smaller tier two interventions, right? So the stronger the tier one program is the better. Um, exactly. And certainly that connection between language and reading and writing, right? Like the, the, mm -hmm. the reading of words, but also the writing of them is all helping to lay down those representations in the brain. So that those are all really good ways of triangulating all that knowledge in the brain for sure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so you're um, really supporting your group in, in the move towards a more structured literacy approach mm -hmm. with, with those yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and, and I know not all principals will support this and so it is very dependent on the admin in the school um, but we were getting so many requests for this kind of thing that it's clear that there are a lot of schools that will really use it um, mm -hmm. and and because it's so fun that the teachers enjoy using it and we and also because of in COVID, we made a lot of virtual activities. It turned out that a lot of the, the um, teachers at the school that I was working with really liked the virtual activities. They said, oh, I just whip out my iPad and have a little group there and we'd play this game. And I was like, oh, I had assumed that they would use paper and pencil and do it with the whole class, but it wasn't true. They didn't all do that. So we're going to give them some small group activities and some whole class activities and, you know, sort of give them the variety because, and some did like to have more of the printed out activities and some wanted more virtual because then it just was really easy for them. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Yeah. And the games that you have would be very familiar to your speech language colleagues, right? The, you mm -hmm. know, they're the kinds of things that we are often using in uh, therapeutic sessions when we need to uh, repeatedly practice a skill. Mm -hmm. Yes, like it's, there are things like bingo, um, that kind of game. Um, and um, like Susan has actually modified some games like crazy eights and mm -hmm. made it into crazy vowel, um, which is was very clever and the kids really like that. Um, there's other ones where you're, you know, taking the first sound from this circle and then the vowel from this circle and the final sound here and they're making words. Um, we have a fly swatter game in foundations. So when they find the word, they hit it with the fly swatter, which is, you know, tremendously fun, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Really. It's something that is the vehicle for the repetition that the, these kids needs to, to really get this knowledge, uh, solid in their, in their brain so that they'll be able to to call on that knowledge, right? Quickly and automatically when they need to read it in connected words, et cetera. 
Yes, exactly. And I, I should mention that um, the right to read inquiry does uh, talk about using decodable, not leveled books. Mm -hmm. And we've actually, we're fortunate that Susan made a lot of um, decodable books. She made them back in, I don't know, five years ago, basically. <laughs> um, now, since then, when we moved the program to the hybrid program, we also went through every picture and every name and situation in it to make sure that it reflected the diversity in the board because we're also a tremendously diverse board. Mm -hmm. um, so we did that with the decodable books as well. So they are part of that, um, not the foundations program because the students aren't ready for books, but the links program that we have the short vowel books and they're um, 50 words, less than 50 words, mm. which is a struggle at that stage. Even <laughs> So we tried to keep it really short. Um, and then, you know, the silent E, the vowel team and the Bossier book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're learning those letter sound connections and moving right into reading, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're really in a, you know, right away, essentially. Yes. And, and there's a writing response part to that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty, pretty cool. Um, all right. Uh, uh, you talked about the, the next challenge. You, you mentioned it a little bit. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about uh, what you're working on right now? Sure. So, um, well, I should mention that the sound skills, which I did talk about the phonological awareness, uh, games and activities, like I said, it was 20 years old. So, um, when did we do that? I think in the March break, we, um, redid all of that and used real pictures. And again, used, uh, pictures that were diverse. Um, okay. and, uh, so that was all redone and, and made some of the games uh online and some well you know virtual and some printable and some for small groups and some for whole groups so what we're going to be doing in is um well we have to sort of discuss a little bit more what we're going to do but we will be including some of the activities and things from the sound skills we'll be including some of the activities from foundations and for links it, so the foundations is at the kin, students that are at the kindergarten level in terms mm -hmm. of literacy so we will take from foundations for the kindergarten students and from links for the grade one students um, and then a um, little bit of work on vocabulary and writing conventions and um, uh, yeah that's, that's basically yeah. It. yeah and and really with that aim of that solid tier one program making those resources available yes and we will have instructions on you know how often they should do it and to how to make it more difficult and make it easier you know that stuff yeah. and super stuff is so important right mm -hmm. yeah i think you know i listening to your talk i what i'm admiring and and really thinking hard about is um that you've been watching this program you've been responding to requests the whole time right it's always been in some evolution and some aiming for improvement so it's, it's not like you created it and sat back right it's, no. it's ongoing work <laughs> yes very much so um probably in large part, thanks to COVID. <laughs> um, that was a huge job, um, which um, I had colleagues that were better than I am at it. Mm -hmm. So I, I was, you know, working with alongside them um, that were working to make the virtual program. Um, but it was, I think that's where we got a lot of uh, 
really positive feedback. The teachers were just so happy to have something that was useful, but not completely boring Mm -hmm. um, for their students and that they could continue their groups uh, that they had been working with for, you know, three, four months. And then you could continue working away with them. So, and we had the books online as well, so they could Mm -hmm. read them and we highlighted the different sentences. So they were easy to track because mm-hmm. um, it's a little harder on a screen yeah. and we had home activities as well I don't think they got used as much but if they were if it was the kind of parent that had a printer and wanted to play some games with their student with a child then um, we had those ready to be emailed to the parent nice nice well, though, you know, it sounds like a, an, an all-consuming project, and I know, I know it is a big part of your job, but um, mm-hmm. I know, I think the listeners will be wondering, you know, what, is this everything that a school speech pathologist does, or what, you know, what else is, a, how does it fit with the rest of what else a speech pathologist might be needing to do in the school? Right, no, it definitely is not all we do. Um, I think you, um, you find your passion, and for me, that is, um, literacy. I, I love the whole, that whole part of my job. Um, I also love the kindergarten language class, um, which literacy is part of it, but certainly the special needs students, um, ASD, you know, any of those students that takes up a huge part of our time, energy, etc. So it's always a balance. Um, and sometimes the, the, SLP just can't support the school, you know, they're just, it's too much. So basically the school has to also prioritize the literacy because the SLP is going to be taking time to support the teacher. And that'll be taking time away from some of the special needs students. You only have X amount of time at that school. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's sort of even as as, at a school level that that might be um, Mm -hmm. determined. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's a discussion about that. Um, But the literacy, obviously, the the schools want their students to learn to read and write. It is a high priority, too. So um, usually they're uh, right alongside that. And if you have a school that has the contained classes for students with learning disabilities, then um, then you're definitely involved because they do use Empower um, for the older grades, but grade one students are too young for that. And even some of the grade twos are a bit too squirmy mm-hmm. <laughs> for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so foundations and links are a better option for them often. Mm-hmm. And then they move into Empower and that's fine. It, mm-hmm. has, it sort of goes beyond where links and foundations are. I see. So, yes, I, we can link to the Empower uh, site as well. So just that's just uh, just get you to reiterate then. So the links is focusing on grade one and some of grade two. No, it's really um, it it's starts at student with students that are at the early grade one level. So they know their letter sounds. They mm. have some phonological awareness but they can't really sound out words well because they don't know their vowels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so then you're teaching the four vowel patterns of the short vowel, silent D, vowel team, and bossy R, and working on developing their phonological awareness skills and the other parts, the vocabulary mm-hmm. and um, reading comprehension and writing skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then, um, so though that, so that if you do the whole 22 units, then you've sort of 
covered everything that you would cover in grade one. And usually the students don't get solidly so they can do say the bossy R, but the reading at a grade one level usually, not always, it depends on the student, but right. if okay. they keep at, um, on with the trajectory, then it, they are at a grade one level by the end of grade one. Mm. So if you have students that are in grade two and three, they are students that are further behind. They are students that are at the beginning of grade one level. So they are a bigger concern. Mm -hmm. And so they might come into links or they might go into empower depending on their skills. Or their um, readiness. It sort of depends on the school, but usually mm -hmm. empower is used. I know there are some schools where it's used with the mainstream students, but usually it's used with the contained class mm -hmm. um, classes only. And um, so, whereas the links and foundations are usually used with the um, students in mainstream. I see. I see. Okay. That makes that clear. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and so it sounds like you're, uh, you know, there's real recognition of the link between language and literacy and real recognition of what the speech language pathologist can, can uh, bring to supporting that interaction uh, in the board. Well, obviously it varies. <laughs> um, it depends who you talk to, but I would say that it, there is a lot of recognition and it's improving. Mm -hmm. um, we, I, I think that COVID did that especially. People were really uh, appreciative and aware of what links and foundations could offer. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, people really like the, the resource. I think, um, yeah, it does. It, it is really appreciated. Right. Well, do you have a piece of advice for uh, a colleague who might want to implement a program to you know, get working in literacy in their board? What would be your piece of advice to them? Well, I think, uh, first of all, find your passion. So if that's what you're passionate about, then you're going to find a way to, to use that skill. But I think the other key thing is, is to really listen to what the schools need and want. So, um, like with links, they were happy with the results and, and how that was going, but they were frustrated that we weren't taking the students who were lower, you know, how could you not take these four students, they can't read and you know, uh, why, what program am I going to do with them. Right. So then we came up with foundations and you know so I think if you really listen to what they are saying and, and um, then you'll find what they because they'll they'll buy in more if they see that that's what they it's an answer to what they need yes thanks Sylvia thanks very much for that so let's just finish up with some um final questions and uh, leaving you know work a, a little bit aside but how do you and your colleagues support one another in the work that you do um I I have an amazing group that I work with. It's one of the joys of my life. <laughs> There's so many great colleagues um, in my school board. Um, and so I definitely have my go-to people that I work with and I've worked with on, you know, different writing projects. Uh, so uh, if I have a question, I know who to go to. We, you know, a group of us have a WhatsApp group so I can ask there too. And, um, but I have, like a lot of people that I can draw on and, you know, has this happened to you? What would you do? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, Very nice. Yeah. yeah really important. important. Yeah. So important. Yeah. What's your top tip on being a school-based SLP? Uh, I think it's really trying to fit what you know and um, 
your goals, your recommendations into what the teacher can do and is wanting. Um, you know, the more you can do that, the more they're going to buy into what you've said and carry it out. Um, mm -hmm. Then if you, you know, if then it's, if it's not practical, they're not going to do it. Right. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And that makes so much sense, right? Uh, you know that that you know that that's the right fit. Right? You know, listen to that teacher and and uh, supporting them. That's right. Know your audience. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> All right. And Sylvia, what's one of your favorite outside of work activities? Oh my goodness, I have so many. I um I love hiking and cooking and painting. But I probably one that I would mention is cooking. I always have. With my family, my kids, I have cooking projects. So we're cooking our way around the Mediterranean right now, but we've cooked like 20 soups from around the world and cooked our way around the world. So that's always fun. That sounds really fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia, thanks you very much for your time today on the podcast. We've really enjoyed having you. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great. Thank you for listening to the SAC Shining Lights SLP Schools podcast. You can find all podcasts, transcripts, and links to the episode resources on the SAC website. That's at sac-oac.ca. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or you'd like to suggest a guest, please email the host, Lisa Archibald, at larchiba at uwo.ca. That's L-A-R-C-H-I-B-A at uwo.ca. You can listen to our podcast on all of the major podcast servers. If you liked this episode, be sure to give it a thumbs up on your platform and share it through your social media and other channels. 